This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 462 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, and Equine Comfort Products. Coming up on today's show, we have an interview with Bella Sadolchek, who is the youngest competitor to earn her USDF gold medal. And Justin from Total Saddle Fit joins us to discuss saddle construction. And we have a listener question to get to for today. Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hello, Reese. Hi, Phil. How are you this week? I'm doing good. Doing good. <laughs> we're getting, I think we're about a month away from show season, so I'm getting oh, a happy, happier guy. Uh, <laughs> just coming. as soon as the weather gets above zero, oh, we'll be fine. Oh, gosh. Oh, I just oh, feel for everybody. There was an event at home and it was snowing and oh, 24 degrees. I mean, it was a disaster. So you got you got to be tough to do this sport, right? So this is a. Real I would time. have, I would have stayed home and, dr- and drank hot chocolate. Like yeah. no way. Uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> I would have been like not showing today. Yeah. Uh uh-uh. uh All right. All right. Yeah. Well, I have to congratulate you. You are the most recent graduate of the U.S. Was it USDF? Yep. Uh, certification program, and you are now fit to teach. The FBI levels. Yeah. So they say. I don't know. Yeah, so, so they say. For sure. Thanks, Phil. Tell us about uh, yeah. that. Tell us about the process of being getting yeah. certified, what the yeah. whole thing is all about. So so everyone's calling me number seven. That's just what my name is now, number seven. So I'm, I'm apparently the seventh uh, instructor to go through the program uh, to get my FBI certification. So um, it's very similar to a master's or sort of PhD type situation. I mean, it is, it's a, it's a difficult thing to do, uh, but I would encourage people to do it um, because it really, you know, very rarely in our sport, uh, is there a time where you actually have to go and sort of get some continuing education and, and put yourself out there? I think that's the scariest part of the program. But you also get a ton of support from USDF. And uh, I was also lucky to win the Dressage Foundation grant to do the program, which is very helpful because there is a financial component to uh, to the program. But basically for the FEI certification, um, you have to, I think, have five letters of recommendation. Uh, then you go to a panel that approves you to go on to the workshops. Um, and then you go to the workshops and you can do, I think you can do as many as you would like, but there's only so many workshops offered. So I did two workshops. Um, and then from those workshops, you apply to test and they, the committee says if you're ready to test or not. And then if you are ready to go test, um, you have a written exam, you have an oral exam, you have a riding exam, and you have a teaching exam. So I taught two people and I rode two horses. One, um, Elon Court got to come out and uh, do the program. I needed an, I needed an FBI horse. So uh, he got to be put to work that day. Um, and I had a very distinguished panel. I think that is one thing that you really have to, for me, there was significant nerves going in. You know, I, I know how to handle them in the ring, but, you know, to go teach is a different story. But I had uh, Lilo Four, who's the um, head of the program, and Gribbons, who is the head judge for the WEG, if, if 
you really want to make yourself nervous. And Charlotte Bradal, who is um, the young uh, young rider coach for the U.S. with uh, George Williams. So uh, very distinguished panel, but actually they were great and, and they really tried. I mean, of course, it's a testing environment, so there's a significant level of stress, but they really tried to to put me at ease and, and, and make it as easy as possible. And um, so I would encourage people to do it. I think the certification program has been great as I've developed as an instructor. And um, we as teachers, you know, we can always get better at our jobs. And um, that's what I did with this program. So, um, yeah, it was very nerve wracking. Yeah, it was nerve wracking. It was hard. (laughs) And I I communicate, as you guys know, I do, I do this for a living, uh, from teaching and in the show. And, but there's a little different level of anxiety with it, but I'm really glad I did it. And like I said, it's a very distinguished group, uh, that I'm just really just thrilled to be a part of. So I would encourage anybody and everybody, you know, to start with the, uh, I did the, the, I call them the baby instructor, but, um, you know, I did the, it was, it's a little different now, the program than when I went through, but I was certified training level through fourth level in 2004. Uh, and I was young, I was 24 at the time. Um, and I'm a very different instructor than I was then, hopefully better, but maybe I've learned a few things and, but, um, you know, it was 14 years till I came back and tested again. So, but I think it's such a great program. I think just learning um, techniques of lunging and, and lunging a rider and it's, it's really important. So, um, yeah, I would encourage everybody to get involved with the program if you can. And if, seriously, if you have any questions about it, I am thrilled to answer them. And uh, there are other instructors too that would as well. So, uh, yeah, that's what I was up to. Well, it's been a week and a half. Yeah, you've been yeah. taking a lot of Taking you a long time to yeah about you know, two years when you yeah. decide to apply yeah and then going through it so great we're proud of you thank you thank you very much that was really sweet so appreciate <laughs> it <laughs> uh, and what what else we got some other things going on with the USDF what's yeah so there I so I was just cruising through the magazine I'm not gonna lie um, and I I saw this it's a new uh, equitation adult amateur program so it's the USDF regional adult amateur equitation program is the newest opportunity for adult amateur riders competing in dressage at all levels. Adult amateurs may qualify to compete at the USDF adult amateur equitation regional final class, which is held at each of the nine USDF regionals by scoring a 70% or higher in any dressage seat equitation class held at a USDF license show or USEF license show. Uh, and also uh, by qualifying to compete at the regional championships, excluding freestyles. So, it's a cool program. I, it's new. So look it up on the website, uh, on the USDF website. It's there. And uh, that would be great. So take a look at that and see what you think. So Always new stuff coming out from them. You it know? really is. It's really cool. <laughs> There's always new it's stuff. Always, and it's great. You so. know, innovating and, and making it fun for people and getting people involved in all ways. I like it. Yeah, I do too. So I thought that was really cool. So I marked it and, and wanted to get it up on the show. So there you go. So that's, right. that's what I got. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we got a good show on on here too. You know, lots of learning going to happen. Love it. That's what we're here for. <laughs> so right after this break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to come back with Bella Zadolchek, who also just got a USDF award. The sun is just peeking above the tree line as you walk into the barn. You grab your horse's halter off the hook and head out to the field. The dew shimmers in the sun as you walk across the damp grass. You call his name and his head comes up as he walks toward you looking for the apple in your pocket. 
You take your time grooming, enjoying the peace and quiet in the empty barn. A refreshing breeze greets you as you start down the tree-lined path. Your horse ambles along on a loose rein as you both enjoy a relaxing ride. The feeling you get on an early morning hack is why we do what we do at Kentucky Performance Products. This feeling is brought to you by Microphase. Fill the nutritional gaps in your horse's diet. Microphase vitamin and mineral supplement is a low-calorie way to provide your horse with the vitamins and minerals missing from their diet. The horse that matters to you matters to us. Well, tonight I am so happy to introduce USDF's youngest and newest gold medalist, Bella Zadolchek, to the show. How are you, Bella? I'm good. How are you? I am great. Well, I was on Facebook this weekend, and uh, you were down the street getting your USDF gold medal at the ripe old age of 14, right? Yes, I was. Well, congratulations. This is so cool. So for our listeners, um, so they know what the USDF gold medal is because we have some international listeners. The gold medal is a 60% at intermediate one, or sorry, two 60% at intermediate one from two different judges and two 60% at Grand Prix from two different judges. So Bella had to hit that feat. So Bella, I mean, congratulations. Congratulations. That must be exciting. Thank you. Yes, so, it really is. Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us your story. All right. Well, I started riding horses when I was 10 years old with my trainer, Sue Colstad. I started off riding ponies at first before I eventually got an FBI schoolmaster, Sam Arano. And then I went on to ride a Bashkir Curly named Marley. And both of those horses helped me get my bronze and silver medals when I was 11 and 12. And I've always had this dream of getting my gold medal. And thanks to people like Christian Garwig and DeLorean, I was finally able to get it this weekend. (laughs) That's fantastic. So tell us a little bit about your horse. Well, DeLorean was bred and born in Germany. He was imported over. He is a German sports horse. And we just bought him actually three months ago, I believe. Um, He's black, 18 hands, and he loves bananas. (laughs) Actually, (laughs) Bella, all of my all of my best horses have always liked bananas. I I can't tell you what it is about it, but all my top horses have always loved bananas. So I don't know. It's a thing. It's a thing. What can I say? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's my um, first horse that I've ever had to like bananas, and he actually even eats the peel. Yeah, I know. They'll knock you down for him, I bet. <laughs> yeah. So, Bella, tell us a little bit about how did you how did you come up with this goal to be the youngest uh, USDF gold medalist? That's pretty impressive, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Well, after training with Sue Colstad for a while, we started talking about where I wanted to go in the future. And eventually I learned about, you know, the medals and getting your bronze, silver, and gold. And after I learned that, I just immediately got in my mind that I really want to do that. And I really want to get my gold medal. I did. (laughs) Awesome. 
So there's a you know there's a problem a little bit in dressage and that you know young people usually don't really like to do it or have the focus or it's not really a young person's game. What is it about dressage that attracted you to be you know such a high level competitor? Oh wow. Well, I think there's a lot of different things to actually love about dressage, and I just like how there's so many technical details that. You just have to do right. And I know other people probably don't like that. But for me, I'm a little OCD and I like things to be perfect. So it's just kind of the perfect sport for me to go into because I'm trying to get like a better score each time. So, yeah. Uh, that's a great answer. So tell us about the Grand Prix. I mean, now that you've ridden it, what are some, you know, it's hard. What are some um, suggestions or tips you give to other riders about that? Oh my goodness. Well, the first time I wrote it, I was extremely nervous, but I guess just for other riders, they should know that it's not as bad as it seems. And (laughs) the second time I went into the ring, I was a lot calmer and, you know, I think I had a, a lot better of a test than I did my first time. So I just think people need to know that don't overstress it and don't overthink because, you know, you'll go out and nail it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's, it's a good one. I mean, I think that's the hardest thing with the medals. You know, it's, it's, I, I call you really get to ride after you get your 60% because it's a little bit of a monkey on your back. I think for at least for all my students, you know, they really, really want the 60%. So they ride a little bit more for the score than just for the, for the experience. Um, but I, I do feel like the Grand Prix, the first few times you ride it, it's like a roller coaster, you know, you're up, you're down, you're all around and, and you really, you know, as now that you've gotten your scores kind of what's your next step what are your goals from here oh well delorean is actually being shipped back to kentucky currently and when he gets back here we are going to continue working on the grand prix test and we're gonna come back out and continue showing it hopefully getting better scores than we did our first and second time Hmm. and then after that in the future i'm really looking to do like the bertina cup that's a big goal of mine you know and who knows what else is out there in the future. I love it. I love it. Well, Bella, we wanted to be the first ones to congratulate you on your gold medal and, you know, show people it is possible and all our young riders out there, you can do it. And, uh, you know, to be the youngest one is pretty awesome. So we really wanted to congratulate you um, and be the first ones. So we wish you lots of luck in the future. And I, I know because you're, you're from a, a little bit away from me, but, um, but I'll see you at a horse show and I can't wait to congratulate you in person. All right. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. merino sheepskin saddle pads, 100% merino wool saddle pads, grip tech saddle pads, and air ride saddle pads from Equine Comfort Products are designed for active riders, competitors, and horse enthusiasts. Let's learn more about the massive benefits of the air ride pads. ECP's air ride pads are extremely breathable due to the series of small holes throughout the entire pad surface. The ventilation holes allow for better heat transfer and moisture wicking. This keeps the horse cool and dry, providing a greater competitive edge. Furthermore, they are durable, shock absorbing, and offer superb comfort while retaining their original shape after each use. 
They are antimicrobial and constructed of a TPE foam, which is a thermoplastic elastomer, preventing slipping under both wet and dry conditions. All of our pads have billet straps, and our full-size pads also include girth straps to hold the pad in place. Air Ride pads can be cleaned simply by spraying them down with cool water or wiping them off. You can find ECP products at your local tax store, online retailers, or you can go to www.equinecomfort.com. We got a fantastic listener question we really wanted to address in this segment. So what do you got for us? All right. Well, I'll just kind of read through the email here. It says, hello, I listen to the Horse Radio Network podcast in Australia. So we like our Australian listeners. Mm-hmm. So I like that idea. Um, and she has a, a green or younger younger green horse. And she wants to know how to, how to make it clear when she wants to come back to trot or to slow the canter you know how are the aids different to be to be you know you you don't want to slow the canter you want to come to trot or vice versa i think a lot of people have the problem of um slowing the canter and trying you know trying not to trot but also the the reverse can be true on certain high energy horses that just want to stay cantering and not want to come back to trot so what what do you think do you have any ideas about this Yeah. So, I mean, this is a, this is a good, good question because it is hard, right? I mean, that's a balancing transition, right? So, and and like you said, with horses, especially young horses that are really forward, you know, they think, oh, we're doing this transition and I'm just going to go slower in my canter. Not even really collect, just go slower. Or sometimes I want to pull against the bit. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is also a little bit more technical of a question when it comes to half halting and um, teaching the half halt in the canter. Ideally, for this problem, I like to make sure, number one, I'm asking for the placement of the transition in a good spot. So, for example, if I'm going to do a trot canter transition or, or canter trot, um, I want to either do it in, in on the wall or into a corner or toward a wall, if I can, something that sort of naturally backs the horse up. That's one thing that I like to do. The other thing, uh, especially if they like to get rolling in the canter, I really like to think quality, not quantity. Uh, a lot of quantity, I think, makes horses run, uh, especially, you know, again, this is this is a Phil Youngster question. But for me, you know, a lot of times I want a little more quality, not quantity. Um, so I have an exercise. I call it the snowman and um, I, I like this exercise for a lot of different reasons. But let's say you're on a 20-meter circle at C. So you start with a 20-meter circle at C. And then over the center line, uh, you actually do a counter 10-meter circle. So you're over, and so when you come over the center line, you actually, let's say you're doing your big circle to the right 20 meters. And then as you're doing your 20-meter circle and you come close to the center line, I actually want to do a 10-meter circle to the left or the head of the snowman and then come back to the right. So a lot of times I will actually do the transition for canter. I will be trotting on a 20-meter circle. Then I will do my left circle in this case uh, and come back to the 20-meter circle and pick up the canter at the wall and then do a trot transition at the next wall. So if that makes sense, I could actually diagram it and put it on our, I'll put <laughs> it on our page if it makes a little bit more sense. But I love 
the snowman exercise for a lot of different reasons. It's also for horses that aren't as snappy to pick up the canter. A lot of times that little change of bend helps. And it's just not for a a four-year-old. I mean, you have to have a kind of educated horse for it, but sounds like this horse is is relatively educated. So that that would be an exercise that I would use. And again, sort of using the bending lines to help you bring the horse back a little more on the hind legs and not so much on the front end. So, Phil, you're, you're the you're the young horse guy. I mean, this is really up your. Well, this is a, it's kind of a tricky tw- question because mm-hmm. it's not just a young horse problem. Um, because Mm-mm. we, you know, uh, went back in the I. You know, we've talked about this before, but when you come into the I one, you have to do yeah. a canter to try. You know, most of your transitions, yes. you know, from third level on, second level even on, are going to canter walk, canter walk, canter walk, and then you come back mm-hmm. to. Uh, I won, and you have to do canter trot all of a sudden again. You know, in as front Steve, of the judge, right? In yeah, front of the in, judge, yeah. <laughs> you can't hide it. In front, of the, in front <laughs> of the judge, and just right in a very distinct. And and so many people have such a problem with this. So, um, do you want to cover how you how you teach that a little bit, or how you work on that? The canter trot at sea. Uh, well, yeah. there's a little praying to the exage gods as you make that turn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, because here the horses have really, you right. know, they're really educated. They have a real yes. ability to collect, 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 you know, or right. just kind of drop out and walk. So Right, exactly. That so that's a, a tricky a one. Bigger, you know, a bigger <laughs> show. It's just coming back and it's just, I think it's a lot about practice. But um, It is. But I think, you, like you said, well, really, I mean, trot canter transitions are incredibly important. And, you know... Um, I try to do them every day. I don't know about you, Phil, but I mean, truck canter, they're really a huge deal. And, you know, they're great in warm-up. Today I was working with uh, Mikey, my six-year-old. Um, he's a little bit slow in the takeoff. So we were doing, I probably did a lot <laughs> in my lesson this morning. <laughs> I did a lot of truck canter transitions, which was, um, it's just a really good reminder that that's no matter where you are. Actually, I did it on both horses. Uh, you know, uh, typically, and with my, well, I actually know all of them. I, I like it in the warm up, And then um, for the, for uh, my horses that are showing, you know, the I1, first of all, I want to make sure I can really ride a good corner because it comes out of the corner. Yeah. Well, you ride it, you have to yeah. ride a really, really good corner. Um, and then, that's also a transition uh, that I start early. Like I would almost rather them do that. Yeah, transition you rather early, early than late because you yeah. got extended trot coming right after. Right. So exactly, and it's you very know, very important to get a very good trot and good rhythm going it's before in the you do the second too. corner and come that's around right. and get on the diagonal yeah. and want to show your best extension. So I tell also, everybody the same thing. Yeah, yeah. do it early. Do it early. Do, I mean, yeah. you know, you get to the corner. Yeah, and, and when you were with me at Nationalsville, we, we talked about it. Like, you know, get come right into the corner and do that transition. Because usually, you know, these are big. My guys are pretty big. So they take two strides and you're kind of in the zone where it's okay. Now, that's not the perfect transition because, of course, it should be at sea, at bounced. I'm at the, you know, my shoulder. But that no, no, doesn't always happen. But, again, that is a transition you really have to remember and put some time into that canter trot. Um transition at all levels because it's in training level it's in first level it goes away for a little while but it's going to come back and and the fact that it comes back again in the high high levels in the in the small and big tour really shows you how important the canter trot transition is so um I, I think, yeah, it, it's something actually I do on, I try to do on all my horses every day. And that exercise that I shared, that snowman, that's a, a big one for me. I, I do that on a lot of horses. It helps with a lot of suppling issues and some bending issues and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. 
So, Phil, tell me what. All right, what, here what we go. Um, young horses, when you want to come to trot instead of collecting the canter, I mean, you're trying to keep things really simple for them. So, when I'm collecting the canter, I'm going to be using a lot more inside leg, especially. Um, you know, both legs on, but inside leg really teaches the horse to, you know, pick up the hind leg and recycle it under the body. So, mm-hmm. if I want to stay in canter and I want to, you know, bring a little contact and with my body, I want to you know, um, resist a little bit without stopping. There's a, you know, you have to have Mm -hmm. a really good seat that follows the horse, um, you know, when you want to go and then stops the horse when you want to stop, but you have to have a dial with it, you know, like it's just not, it's not always, you know, stop or go. There's lots of in between. So when I'm collecting, I want to stop a little bit and then go a little bit and then stop a little bit. And, you know, with my legs stays pretty much on the inside inside of the horse really driving that canter as I create a little resistance in the contact and with my core, I'm resisting and driving at the same time. Um, to keep it simple, if I want the horse to trot instead of collected canter, I take my leg off. They, they should, you know, trot and not stop, stop. And, you know, and depending on how, you know, how each horse is a little bit different, depending on how much they stop or how much they drive, then I'm going to, you know, uh, use my inside leg accordingly, use my half halt accordingly, you know, uh, use my contact accordingly. If they, if it's a horse that doesn't like to uh, come back to trot easily, I'm going to do maybe a little something to throw it a little bit out of, bal- out of balance. So I'm going to maybe take a little counter bend or, you know, counter circle to say that I want trot, not, not slower, smaller, you know, or collected, any kind of collected can- canter. So I have to kind of, um, just for a moment, break that canter rhythm. And then, you know, and then they they might stumble at first into the trot, but eventually they learn, okay, this is going to be a little bit different. So, um, and that I do that a little bit with the advanced horses too. So when they get up into that I1, um, when I want to make that transition at C or wherever you want to put it, I actually put the horse into a shoulder in. And then if the horse doesn't trot, I'm going to go even more angled with my shoulder in until they're even in a little bit of leg yield. And then the horse understands that when they go to shoulder in, I mean trot, not walk, not halt, you know, that kind of thing. So, again, it's just a little movement to teach them to, you know, or just to get them out of their canter rhythm and balance. Especially the horses that have a really super canter and not a great trot, they don't want to trot. No. So, you have to just kind of adjust a little bit, you know, throw them out of balance for a half a stride or just for a second that they learn to, you know, okay, you know, they, they almost fall into the trot. I mean, you have to do these little tricky things and be smart about riding when you have a horse with one gait that's really much better than, than another one and, and even, you know, the slower gait. That's, that can apply a little bit to horses that like to trot and don't like to walk, you know, and don't have a good balanced walk. You know, you have to kind of break up their rhythm that they like a little bit, let them almost, almost fall not fall down, but just kind of, you know, trick up, trip up their legs a little bit and then they do the lower gate and you just, you train that carefully and over time and then they understand you a little bit better. But, mm-hmm. um, what, what you don't want to be doing is just hauling on the reins and, you know, and yes. um, supple, really supple young horses, they can take their nose to their chest and that, that doesn't help. So you have to be a little bit quick with your riding and quick with your half faults and, and quick with your, when, when I'm talking about unbalancing the horse. So they they don't get into that curled up, really behind the bit and behind your leg position, because um, that doesn't do them any good to learn how to use their backs and their balance. So it's tricky, but you have to kind of 
ask for the transition and let go within like half a second. You have to do things very quickly that, so that you don't, you, you aren't caught hauling on the reins and trying to stop. It's not about stopping the energy. It's just about changing it into the next gate, the, the next lower gate. So that's kind of my strategy. Yeah, Usually I like it. Looks it. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's great. It is a tricky problem, though, you know, when you have horses that want to trot all the time and then you have some horses that just want to canter all the time and it's hard to right. teach them the in-between bits. But it's always it's always just working on the dial, being able to, mm-hmm. you know, take the stride shorter when you want, change the energy when you want, you know, and just, you know, there's black and white, but there's all these gray areas, all these in-between ways that you have to be smart and be riding. And, and just over time, you train the horse. It doesn't happen all in one day, but you have to have a strategy and these are i think this is what we talk about all the time all kinds of strategies they don't all work great on every horse but you have to have a lot of tools to to give, to figure out your unique situation yeah. yeah 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 no i think it's really smart well that's a great question as always we love listener questions so keep sending them in and uh, we look forward to answering the next one This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, tonight for our Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, we have Justin, Mr. Total Saddle Fit live. Justin, welcome to the show. Woo! <laughs> we haven't had you on in forever. And actually, we've got a couple things to talk about, but I wanted to start talking a little bit about the stretch tech shoulder relief girth. Because I actually, I sent you a question not that long ago myself, because you're so easy and so reachable. Um, and by email at justin at totalsaddlefit.com. And I, I, I personally, Justin, have had some trouble with my big guys. Um, I seem to get a little bit sore in the girth area and the stretch tech shoulder relief girth has been a lifesaver for me. Can you tell us a little bit more on why that, why that is? Cause it helps them a lot. Totally. So I imagine your listeners are familiar with the shoulder relief girth, the original, which basically is a uniquely shaped girth that redirects the billet line of the saddle to prevent the billets from pulling the saddle into the horse's shoulders. So what we did with the stretch tech shoulder relief girth kind of took everything to another level. So the most noticeable thing is, a triangular-shaped center elastic in the very center of the girth over the horse's sternum. So it retains all of that, the saddle fit benefits the original has, which is, like I just mentioned, it prevents the saddle from being pulled into the shoulders. It keeps it in a more natural spot. But what this does is, uh, the stretch tech with the elastic in the center, what that does is it contours to a horse's sternum better. It's a softer contact. It lets them breathe a little bit easier because it expands and contracts with their breath. And most importantly, the way it expands and contracts is super key and probably why you're having so much success with it is because it stretches in the rear portion of the girth more than it does in the front. And that's, that stretches proportional to the shape of a horse's sternum. So it's basically like a higher performance, much more comfortable version of a shoulder relief girth. And it's great. I, I mean, it really has worked. And we're lucky because Justin uh, hooks Phil and I up and we are able to sort of try all, all the different types of girths. And sometimes I'll move them around. Um, you know, the big guys that seem to really have to be learning how to lift their backs and contract their abs, this girth has been a lifesaver because they've all gotten a little bit funny and a little girthy. You put this on and it's gone. So that's been amazing. Well, it's probably because um, they're taking big breaths. You're actually working probably. your horse. <laughs> yes, right. probably. You're not just walking around anymore. This is so true. And Justin, what colors does it come in? 
That is a great question because we just launched a couple new colors. So it comes in traditional black, as you'd expect for a dressage girth, and it comes in brown and dark brown. So we're trying to get it to match to just about any saddle you have. And there's actually one other thing too, which is relatively new. We just launched a 100% wool fleece liner option. So the Stretch Tech shoulder relief girth is a little bit unique in that it has removable liners. So what you'd consider, or what you would normally consider, just like the padding of the girth on this girth is removable. So the same girth body can you can use limestone-based neoprene, you can use uh, padded leather, and you can use 100% wool fleece. So there's three different liner choices, which I think since last. I'm, no, I'm certain since last time we spoke, it's, this is a new, new addition to the That's yeah, new. new thing. Oh, I'm yeah. kind of getting excited about it. Fantastic. <laughs> I love the neoprene, actually. It's yeah, like the too. softest neoprene yeah. I've ever had on a girth, or, or like, that's got to be unique where, where you source that or how it's made. I don't know. Yeah, tell us about the neoprene. It's, I'm, uh, I'm excited it's, about it's this. Lime- well, it's uh, now I've built it up too much, I think, but it's a limestone-based <laughs> neoprene, which all that means is it's more natural. You can get limestone and petroleum-based neoprene products, and the limestone is like what you'll see in wetsuits. It's ma- it's better for it's better for like bodies and stuff. You know, it's, it's a more natural That's version scary. of neoprene than yeah. um, your more traditional petroleum-based is. Really? See, this is why this is why we love Justin because I would have never even us, yeah. thought why about the neoprene. Justin, <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And well, I was just gonna say it's super well, easy. I was just to gonna clean. say I I I have a semi useless fact stored in my brain that I'm happy to share with you guys. <laughs> well. This is why, this is honestly, everybody, why we love Justin. We love his products. He really thinks about the horses and, and what, what we do on a daily basis and how to make our lives easier. And it truly does. And we use these products and they're great products. So, Justin, we're glad you think about the neoprene because I had no idea that was a thing. Or <laughs> now I'm so excited about the wool fleece liner. Like, that's great because, you know when you need to change it out, it's actually very easy to change. And, um, and I've had to replace the neoprene, but it's not incredibly expensive to change it. And it's great. And I, and we really worked those, my girths were soaked today. We worked really hard down here in this Florida sun. So, uh, no, it was great. So Justin, we're, we're really thankful for all that you, you do and, and you can really shows your passion for what you do. It's, it's awesome. So, uh, so we, we grabbed you for this question. Um, this total fat, total saddle fit tip of the week because this was we felt like this was actually a really good question for you to answer because we don't really know the answer so phil take it away with the question all right this uh question comes to us from krista via email she says she is in in the process of purchasing a new dressage saddle and she's looking at different seat balances i guess there's you know some more forward seats and more um centered seats i don't know how to describe them but i've I've sat in a lot of saddles so i can kind of relate to this uh, maybe you can explain the pros and cons of each seat balance for rider confirma- confirmation or what goes into the process of deciding uh you know where to balance the seat or you know what does the saddle maker do i guess it comes down to the tree uh, that's just what i'm assuming you know, tree construction. Maybe you can explain the whole thing to us, Justin, because I got no idea. Totally. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to I'll, I'll try to make it as clear as possible. And just so your listeners know, I have a background in saddle fitting and more specifically saddle making. So hopefully that qualifies me. Uh, you know, it's uh, yeah. enough of a qualification to speak on it. And um, <laughs> I believe basically, so. Basically, there's you could loosely look at it as like three kinds of seat balances, right? And we're talking front to back. 
basically for simplicity. We're talking front to back balance, which is forward, center, or rear balance seats. Um, they're kind of how they sound, but the most common by a long shot is a center balance seat. And that's what, if you talk to most people, they probably say that's what you want. You want kind of, um, you sort of want to be lined up, you know, from your ankle to your hips to your shoulders. And the center balance seat will do that usually most effectively. And it's usually the most comfortable. Um, you'll see other stuff out there. You know, sometimes whether a rider intends it or not, you'll look at them and see them in a chair seat, for example, and that's a rear ba- that's that's a rear balance. Now, whether that was their intention or it just sort of happened by accident, that would be an example of a rear balance seat. Uh-huh. Um, forward balanced seats are can be challenging. Now, there are certain riders that thrive in them, and they can be great in certain instances. They can also be a little bit hard to ride in. If you imagine, as you move forward in your seat, there's a little bit more uh, there's a little bit more pressure on the front of the seat. Your your leg is oftentimes pulled a little bit straighter. And that can twist your pelvis forward. And that can, for a lot of riders, um, it can make a little bit of pull, put a little bit more pressure on their lower backs. So forward seats, forward seat balances in my experience are very like hit and miss for the rider. It has to be very, very skilled or specific preference. Um, But what I would look at, I think this kind of leads us to a little bit of a bigger topic here, which at least for me, in my opinion, it's a bigger topic, which is, basically making sure that you get the most out of what you have. So what I think a lot of folks don't realize is the difference of literally like five millimeters up or down in your saddle can make a big difference in like how you feel in the seat and how it puts you in your position. And I think before we even start talking about new sat buying a new saddle and where the seat is balanced, just be sure that you're getting the best out of what you have, which is make sure that your saddle is balanced level, make sure it's balanced correctly for your preference, for your horse. And you'll already be, I think, way ahead of the game before you even start worrying about how it was made. Um, because that, the, the how it's made discussion can get very, very specific, oftentimes include a trainer, the saddle fitter on site, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But if you dial, you can dial in your saddle, like a, a significant amount with a little bit of flocking or shimming, you can take a saddle from putting you in a chair seat to getting you centered very quickly. And that's, there's a little bit of trial and error. Um, you can find shimming pads all over the place. We, in fact, sell them. I think they're the best, but I'm biased. Um, <laughs> you can get pads that have shims that will affect the balance of the seat. And that'll let you get two things, basically. One is get your saddle balanced where it needs to be. And two, let you figure out where you're the most comfortable. Um, so it, it's kind of a little bit of a hack, I guess, is what I'm getting to, which is you can cheat the balance on your saddle just a teeny bit forward or backward with up to about five millimeters of shimming. And that'll get you hopefully to your sweet spot. If you're one of those riders that like, say, for example, you have a sore back, you might want to shim the front of your saddle up just a teeny bit. And you'll, you'll feel a little bit of that relief into your back, you know, or if you feel like you're posting and you're getting hit from behind with the seat, or you feel like you're getting pitched forward, same thing, lift the front of it just a teeny bit. And you'll be surprised how that can affect just your overall um, like comfort and connection with your horse and everything. So that's kind of, I'm not sure if that's a hundred percent answer of your question, but I would encourage you to look at your own saddle and just make sure it's balanced for you and the best it can be before you go yeah. any farther. So, so Justin, I have, I have just a question. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think it's one of those things you really have to, um, you really do need to have someone that you trust, at least check your saddle. What would you say? Six months or, or a year? I mean, when do you, when do you want people to, how often do you want their saddles checked? 
Yeah, at least every year is good. Now, if you have a young horse or, or young, you know, a horse is coming back from a from an injury, probably every six months is better, but at least every year. Okay, that makes total sense for sure because I I think that that you need to do that because you're absolutely right. I mean, if you once you make an adjustment, it's amazing. You're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know I was that out of balance, or you know we're lucky because we just text you, you know, we just say, Hey, Justin, this is feeling weird. What's going on? And you'll come right back and say, Hey, try this or try that, or you need to get it checked or, you know, so it's really, really good. Um, but I have a question on, I always feel like I have a narrow twist. What does that mean? Cause I don't like, you know, I say that because I can't sit in a wide saddle it really hurts. So what, how do you figure that out? So the twist, in my experience, is largely just like a rider preference thing. You know, you could mm-hmm. some folks will make an argument that it's the width of your pelvis and, and how you're shaped. You you prefer one or the other, and, and and that can be true in some cases. But also, I think it's a lot of a lot of it is just based on what you used to ride in as a kid and what 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 you're comfortable in. But basically, the twist is in between when you're sitting in the seat, in between your legs, kind of right at the base of your pubic bone is 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 the shape you feel right there from the left to right standpoint. And as it gets skinnier in between your legs, you're essentially narrowing out the twist. And the narrow twist is very popular. I think it's, it's, it's more comfortable to sit in more natural. Your legs can just yeah. sort of drop with a narrow twist as opposed to feeling like you're sitting on a two by four sideways and getting your legs pulled apart a little bit. Yes. Um, yes. I know that feeling. No it's fun. not fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's what you're talking. That's what the narrow twist or that's what a twist is, is right there. And kind of tying it back to saddle seat balance. The more forward you get in the balance of your seat, in general, the more you'll feel the twist and the more it can be sort of a, honestly a problem more than anything. As you're, yeah, as you're, rock center, you, you're not rock putting you forward too much on that. weight. Yeah. 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 I noticed it like exactly. on your pubic bone. Like if you get, you know, if you get your pelvis tilted forward, you'll sit right on your, oh, that's super painful. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially <laughs> I, I, I don't yeah. have the same equipment that you guys do, but I can imagine that being, is yeah, being a guy, you know, painful. and being rocked forward is a real problem. <laughs> not okay. Yeah, not okay. Um, Sure. (laughs) But, you know, I've had experience of sitting in a saddle, like, uh, in a store. You know, you plunk it on their saddle, whatever you call the saddle rack or what, and you have a sit in it, and, oh, man, that saddle feels really great. And then you get the same saddle on a horse, and it feels terrible. You know, so, you know, what's going on there, Justin? I mean, I think that's, it's just been a bad experience for me to try and try saddles, or, like, I might buy something in a store and then get on my horse and not like it at all. Or vice versa. Yeah, no, for sure. So part of that is obviously just going to be when you're when you're actually moving. Um, every you know every little every little thing kind of gets felt a little more because you get some more you get a little bit of your weight forward, your weight back, and that that makes an impact. But I would also guess that um, coming what sort of time we're we're really tying this back to seat balance. Now I think when you're sitting it on the plastic horse in the tack shop, it's mm-hmm. probably sitting in a pretty different position on that plastic horse yeah. than it is on your actual horse. And usually where the way it feels good in the store and bad in real life is mm-hmm. when it's sitting a little bit high in the front in the store and you're kind of sitting back in it like, oh yeah, this yeah. is a nice cabinet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then this you get awesome. it on your horse and it, it might be a little bit pitched forward. And then suddenly like everything goes, everything 180s and you're, you're getting pushed into the pommel or, or, or the, the cantle's coming up at you or, or maybe it's pulling your legs back and it's putting pressure on your hip flexors or something. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can, get manipulated yeah. and get out of whack yeah. if it's yeah, not yeah. about that makes total sense and it's so true you know i mean it, that's the thing is if you don't know that your saddle is not in balance you, you don't know but when you get it balanced then you're like oh 
this is so different. And I think that's what, you know, when I, when I'm home, I don't always, you know, Florida's different when you're down here, you can call someone they're here the next day. It's not a big deal, but when I'm home and I'm not seeing somebody for maybe six months and I have a young horse, that's very different from when we leave Florida to the fall, you know, that's where you really have to get, you know, you have to understand when you need to shim and how you shim. And like you said, you have a great product and, and we're, we're lucky to have it and use it. Um, because those are the times where, you, you know, once you, once you're back in balance, you can really feel the difference. Um, so I just think that's the thing is you do need a relationship with someone, uh, to really help you or to understand, you know, sort of how to use the right products. So, um, you know, Justin, you are just an amazing resource for us and, uh, we're so thankful for, for you. So, uh, if our listeners, I know, how do they find you and Total Saddle Fit online? Your best bet is to go to totalsaddlefit.com. Now, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash totalsaddlefit, or instagram.com slash totalsaddlefit. But um, if, you, if you go to Google, type in the words total saddle and fit, you will certainly find us. Awesome. Well, Justin, thanks so much for coming on the show. We always like it when you're here and you can answer these questions for us. Uh, it's fantastic. So thanks so much, and we look forward to next time. It's been wonderful. Thank you, guys. Well, Phil, I love this show. We got lots of great questions and we really love questions because it really helps us focus on what you guys want. So feel free to reach out. That one was a Facebook and one was an email to me and and we love them. So keep them coming. Um, And and as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is through Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a show, and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week.